Hello everybody and welcome to JTV. So a couple of months ago at a Shabbat dinner, I think it was, um, I met a 22-year-old chap called Joel Gottlieb and he told me a bit about his own Jewish journey um, and he said that it, I, I kind of related to him in a lot of ways because I felt that you know, in, in a similar sort of way, grew up in like very aware that I'm Jewish and a traditional Jewish background, but kind of went on in both in my case, and it seems like in his case as well, we kind of went on our own Jewish journey where we sort of want to delve more deeply into um, what it really means to be Jewish. Is there compelling reasons, evidence for the authenticity of the Jewish uh, message, tradition, Torah, um, God, all those kind of questions. And um, as I say, he's only 22 years old, and he said that JTV actually played a, a, you know, a significant role in his journey. So I thought, just um, having spoken to him on a number of occasions afterwards, it'd be great just to show him to, to you and just to talk about um, young people, what connects them to their Judaism, their Jewish heritage. Um, and you know, I often get questions from people about what I do in JTV, and they say, how, how do you sort of assess the impact of it? And it's not so easy always to do that because just as, you know, imagine someone writes a, bo a book about Judaism, how can they assess the impact of that? You know, sometimes the impact only is, is known in, in the hearts and minds and spheres of all the people that read them that might never get back to the author. And the same is true of content. So I thought it would be a good idea to actually have a conversation about the impact that videos can, can, can have on people because sometimes it's not always um, measurable or seen. Um, so Joel, thank you so much for joining us here today on JTV. I appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. Uh, the pleasure is mine. It's a real honour and privilege to be part of the channel. Um, like you mentioned, the JTV has really had a, a very material impact in my journey um, and helping me learn more about what it means to be a Jew. Um, so I'm very grateful for giving me this opportunity to talk to you today. Well, do you want to just tell our audience about a bit about who you are? and what, What's your journey been to, to date today? Sure, it'll be my pleasure. Um, so like I said, I'm 22. Um, I grew up, like uh, many other Jews, I'm sure, in northwest London. Um, I didn't go to a Jewish school, but I was raised with a strong knowledge that I was Jewish and proud of being Jewish, but not really much awareness of what that meant, um, particularly from a religious perspective, um, to do with Judaism. So I was always proud that I was Jewish and would defend Israel if I ever heard people criticising it in school, which happens pretty often being at a non-Jewish school. But I never really thought too much other than that. Um, like most people, I sort of thought about the concept of God at some point. Uh, most people do. But I sort of figured out in five minutes, I think there's some sort of book which says that the world was created in six days, 5,000 years ago. I don't think that's right. Read a modern science book. End of discussion. So I sort of left it at that. I never really looked too much into it. So in terms of observance, I didn't really keep anything apart from not eating pork and shellfish. Um, and so that's where I was for most of my life. And then when I was 19, I went on a trip to um, Auschwitz, a, a Poland trip with a, a survivor, Leslie Kleinman, who passed away recently. Um, and that really invigorated my sense of Jewish identity, Jewish pride. Um, and when I was speaking to Leslie, I asked him as a survivor how he got through the, the, his, his you know, traumatic experience, how he retained his, um, his life really. And he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, God, he said, God was with me. And at that time, I didn't believe in God at all whatsoever. But I think somewhere it implanted in my in my brain. Hmm, maybe maybe there's something worth thinking about there, um, but not, nothing really, you know, practically. Um, and so I sort of continued 
um, at university, being involved in the Jewish community, the Jewish society, but again, merely as like a sort of social um, um, perspective. Um, and then that summer of 2019, I went on a trip called FJL, the Forum for Jewish Leadership, um, where I went to Israel for the first time as an adult, mainly to work. I was working, you know, in finance, doing an internship, but also on Shabbats and the weekends and also in the evenings, we discuss ideas, discuss things like meaning, purpose, values. And I started to hear content, Jewish thought for the first time, and it struck a chord with me. I thought there's, there's something to it. I'm hearing stuff which... I haven't heard before from my secular upbringing and I think there's something there which is worth pursuing um, so when I came back from that trip I was really sort of encouraged um, to look more into this concept of what is Judaism what is God um, so one of the first things I did was look up on YouTube like any other good 19 year old would proof God is real proof the Torah is true um, and one of the first videos that came up was your video for compelling evidence in history for God um, which really transformed my whole journey. It was, a, it was a real catalyst because I kept on hearing things. I was like, wow, that's crazy. How come I've never heard this stuff before? These predictions, which all have come true. That's it really forced me to consider my previous um, opinions, which I sort of just never thought about too deeply. Um, and so that was 2019. And over the course of the next um, couple of years, I continued to, to just ask more questions. I think that was the main thing asking questions and starting to read more books. For example, I read a Rabbi Sachs book for the first time, which really inspired me. Um, and eventually I decided I'd read the Torah. So I just went on Google, looked up Torah English translation. Um, and there's a brilliant website called Safaria, which has all the Jewish scripture translated into English. Um, and so I read the Torah just in English without any sort of commentary or anything else, just the English translation. Um, and eventually after reading that, I got to a point about, about a year and a half ago where I came to the sort of realization or decision that as crazy as it is, and it's completely against everything I'd ever sort of thought and believed before, from my education and my learning, I, I genuinely think this is true. I think this is true. Um, and so gradually started to start keeping more things. So started keeping Shabbat and trying to keep kosher. Um, and it was a gradual process um, so now I'm here and I look at the part with the white shirt and the kifra and all of that. But um, it's really been a quite a recent journey of um, self-discovery. So that's a little bit, probably more than a little bit <laughs> about myself and my journey. Wow. And um, will you talk to our viewers a little bit in, in a bit more depth about um, uh, this video? Um, because for me as well, this was, I would say, if I could only keep a handful of videos up from JTV on, on the platform, I think... Um, I love a lot, uh, all the content we put up there, but if I could only put a, uh, like leave a few, um, this would be like one of the top ones about Jewish history and evidence for God. And the truth is my journey is somewhat similar as well because it was this argument that I read in a book actually when I was about 17 years old that I just, I just thought, you know, just logically with my pure logical hat on, this is very hard to um, push back against. Um, so will you just explain to our viewers, and we'll put a link in the description for viewers who want to watch the video, um, but will you explain to them what it was that you found so compelling? Sure. So um, just for those who haven't seen the video yet, I'm sure everyone will click on the on the link straight after this. Um, it really sets out that there's many factors in Jewish history which simply can't have been predicted by someone who's not beyond time. Um, and so it says in a really clear way various things such as Jewish survival, the fact that we're few in number um, and, and others, I'm sure people will watch after. And it's all these things which 
as Jews, we sort of know inherently, but don't necessarily think too much about. So for example, just Jewish survival. The fact that we're here is incredible. It's miraculous when seen in the wider context of, Jew of, of the history of the world. But um, most people don't necessarily think too much about the Babylonians or the Romans or, or what they were doing. Um, but when I, I started to see, you know, these amazing historical miracles, which, you know, a lot of the sources you, you say in the video are from non-Jewish sources, for example, from, um, uh, what's his name, um, the, the poet Tolstoy, I believe it is, um, and from the uh, second American president, says so non-Jews who points to the Jews as a proof of God, um, which is very interesting. Um, and then also in the video, you include a few lines from the Jewish sources, a few quotes where it seems to predict exactly what would happen, such as you'll be scattered into foreign foreign lands and people will try and rise up against you, you'll move through a number. And there's all these things where, like you said, purely from a logical perspective, using all our intelligence and rationale, it would seem interesting. It seemed like there's a, a prediction which was made thousands of years ago, which has come true. And that's an amazing thing and worth looking into more. I think that was the, the key sort of impact it had on me because no one, you know, overnight suddenly goes, all right, I believe in God now. Let's put on, you know, put on. Well, some people do, but, but that, some people do, but it's not my way. <laughs> but it's the gradual process. And I think when you see those things where it really hits you, like, wow, that, that's incredible. It just makes you want to learn more and ask more questions. So that was the the real key impact that video has on me. Yeah, for that again, and for the, the viewers who ha who are not familiar with the the video, it basically goes through some phenomena of, uh, that have happened in Jewish history that are totally unprecedented, unparalleled, and just uh, remarkable when you put them all together. The fact that the Jews have all the odds have been against the Jews throughout history, been few in number, scattered all over the world, unlike every other nation which has a common land, language, and culture, um, persecuted, and yet despite all that, survived, dramatically changed the world's values, and also has this, we didn't actually include this in the video, but there's this remarkable relationship they have with the land of Israel. We made a separate video on this, where whenever the Jews are there, the land thrives, but when they're thrown out, despite it being at the centre of three continents, a nation, and nation, nation after nation, empire after empire, trying to conquer the land, none of them really succeed in making the land blossom and bloom in the way that the Jewish people do, which is, I mean, how does that work? Either a land is fertile or it's not. Um, and so, but that wouldn't be enough. Okay, you could say, well, Jewish history is remarkable. Why does that mean God? Or why does that mean anything else? So then it's combined with the fact that the Torah foretells all these things that are, are you know, going to happen. Um, and, you know, you could say, well, maybe someone doctored the Torah later on in history. But we know we've got, we've got, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Greek translation, the Septuagint. So we know that it's been, the, the, the text that we're reading is um, the same as it's been for thousands of years. Um, and it's also the fact that, you know, you could make ed good educated guesses when it comes to foretelling things in, in history. But these are all things that were unprecedented uh, and remain unprecedented or unparalleled in human history. So it's a very compelling case, and therefore my conclusion was, and the conclusion of this this argument, again, it wasn't this whole packaged um, talk isn't mine, it's just something I read and I kind of reshaped it for JTV, but the conclusion is, it's much more compelling that a being unbound by time wrote this, you know? Um, so, and also anyway, I mean, just even without that, you just look at the Jewish story, and, and even anti-Semitism, I don't think can be explained on basic rational grounds. It's intensity. I mean, the Holocaust, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it, it's so clearly a, a deeper subconscious spiritual phenomenon that, that's going on. 
Um, so I really think, I don't know what your view is, but in terms of, you know, I'm now starting to starting to age. I just turned 28, you're 22. Um, what, what do you think are the kind of things that, because a lot, a lot of Jewish organizations and educators are racking their brains trying to think, how, how do we connect our fellow Jews, especially of our age, to, to their heritage, to get them more interested, more passionate, more passionate about defending Israel, more passionate about um, being proud rather than shying away from uh, Judaism and their heritage. What do you think are some of the things that are essential to connecting our generation? I personally think Jewish history is, as this video shows, is one of the critical things. But what, what, what's your view on that? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think both of us, we went to similar sort of um, schools where there's a real focus on, you know, logical analysis, coming up with educated decisions. And I think when you can apply that to the world of Torah such that it's not, you know, this sort of crazy world where you believe in something because, well, that's a nice thing to believe in, but rather coming from an educated place where rather than just being a belief, it's more of a knowledge. I think that really does have a, a huge um, impact. Um, because for me, you know, when I was first trying to dis discover, do I believe in this whole idea of God? It was coming from that analytical, logical perspective. So I think the more that um, someone can learn, ask questions and actually relate to this, to Judaism and to the idea of God from a, a logical, rational perspective, I think it can really enhance the, the journey rather than it being more of a sort of spiritual out there, emotional thing, but more of a clear, logical knowledge thing. So I definitely think that's a huge part of it. Um, I think in our generation, one of the biggest things is a sense of identity. I think if you look across the world, identity politics has, you know, exploded in recent years. People want to feel like they're part of a whole. They want to know who they are. So some people, it becomes like a political thing. Some people, it's a certain movement. Other people, it could just be a football team. People would like to know I'm part of this tribe. This is who I am, who, who I identify as. I think it's a really, you know, crucial thing which people need to know the answer to, because if you don't have a sense of identity, you know, you can be lost in the, the sea of the changing world that we live in today. And I think, you know, for Jews, all Jews know that I'm a Jew and it means something. They just don't necessarily know what it means. Um, you know, so for some people, it could be I'm a Jew and it doesn't mean anything more than I've got brown hair and this person's from France and this person supports, you know, Liverpool. Like it's something about them, but it doesn't really define who they are or doesn't necessarily connect to their purpose or meaning. I think if people can sort of bridge that gap and start to see that actually their truest identity, the core of who you are, is a Jew, I think that people want to naturally understand more about what it means to be a Jew. So like I described earlier from my background, I was always very, very conscious and proud as well of being Jewish, but it's completely separated from knowing what Judaism is. Um, so I think if people can, can start to maybe feel the same way about Judaism as they do about being a Jew in the sense of it's it's one and the same and, and connecting to that I think it really most of people to want to get to know more about themselves because it's, it's our history it's our heritage um so I think that that's definitely another a key avenue that could really help people learn more about Judaism absolutely and, and you know one of the interesting things that I found when I went to yeshiva in Israel and came across more and more people that grew up in very from homes and backgrounds is that it's actually sometimes not enough to be convinced that it's true. Um, because, so that, that's the really fascinating thing that I found. I mean, for me, it's interesting you mentioned Poland. This whole thing of Jewish history where I became compelled, compelled and convinced of the truths of, of um, Judaism and Judaism's message. Um, 
but nothing really changed that much in my life and it was more like gradual things and then and then Poland it was much more of an emotional like wow like it just became so much more real to me and that sense of responsibility that sense of writing the next chapter I think what's interesting is that the conveying to people and 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 kind of acknowledging that something to be true doesn't it, it is not enough there's got to be also the there's something more emotionally um engaging and, and, and appealing about um judaism you know it's like in the same way you know you could intellectually know that it's not good to smoke um but it's very appealing for whatever reason or it's escapism whatever it is um and so this is where i think questions of okay that there is a god i can see but is this appealing why should i want a relationship with him why should do why should i want to do what he asks of me who is god okay he's there but who is he and uh you know why would why did he create me and why am i here and those questions are so i would say even more critical because you get that wrong and it can suddenly become very unappealing or you can end up having a very unhealthy relationship with judaism and god and this is where i remember when i spoke to you um i was incredibly excited because not only did i feel i resonated so much with you know the journey that you that you're going on right now but you also were a big um fan of a rabbi that i interviewed um just over a year ago who dramatically changed my perspective of who god is and what he wants of us and, and why he made us and it's that whole matter of like it made judaism become so much more um appealing so as i say it's not enough to know that there's a god it's the question of who god is and why he put me here that rabbi is rabbi manis friedman where it seems like a lot of the religious world uh even jewish would say god has no needs we need him and he turns it the other way around and says no no, no. you don't need anything because you don't need to be here you're only here because he has a need for you to be here so you actually as a created being have no needs you're certainly not the primal need the primal need is him he's the one with needs which is so liberating and it makes god lovable because i'm here because he, he needs me and it's so intuitive but do you want to talk about because you know i know that this is somewhat it's um uh, a bit um uh just it's 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 a he's a real pioneer rabbi 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 friedman um and i find it totally intuitive and brilliant but do you want to talk about your own experience of learning from him and this this theology and and perhaps some of the um uh, you know i've i've come across a lot of the critiques that 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 um are pr presented to it which i don't think actually hold water but i'd just be interested for you to share your experience learning learning his torah and his ideas of of god and why he made us because i think as i said that part is so fundamental as well to one's healthy jewish experience sure um i agree with you completely i think i know many people as i'm sure you do as well who may think do you know what i think there is some sort of creator some sort of god it it makes more sense that there would be rather than everything was just a random explosion of atoms i get that but then that doesn't necessarily equate to that means i've got anything i need to do any responsibility myself or let alone any relationship with this creator um so yeah i, I definitely agree with you that it's a, it's a fundamental probably the most important thing is who is God, who is Hashem, as, as, we, as we call him. Um, and as you said, Rabbi Manus Friedman was really one of the key um, rabbis who really has influenced how I, how I relate to, to God, to Hashem. 
Um, so it was actually at a similar stage when I was looking up Proof God is Real and going on YouTube and sort of utilizing all the all the content there is on YouTube. Um, there's a video recommended to me of Rabbi Manus Friedman, who's actually talking to some prisoners, talking to them about can people, you know, do bad things to you. Um, and what he said is his idea of how to relate to Hashem was really it was something completely unique and revolutionary, which I never heard before. Um, because growing up in, in the world I did, the, what the word God meant was there's some huge infinite feather in the sky telling you, you better do what I say or else. And if you're good, you can sit in the sky and have a lollipop. But if not, you're going to go burn and fire forever and sit on the naughty step. And it doesn't really feel true. How, how, how appealing. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, it's a big infinite bully, right? And people, it doesn't feel right. It's a so beauty. People, exactly, exactly. So, so I don't relate to that. So when I said I don't believe in God, I would say I don't believe in that concept of what God is. It doesn't feel true. So then I heard Rabbi Manish Friedman who says, hold on a second. Let's just pause. We didn't ask to be born, right? And we didn't create the universe. We didn't create everything. So how can it be that we're the ones who are needy here? It doesn't make sense. I didn't ask for any of this. If you'd asked me, then I wouldn't have been born. I wouldn't have to go to work and go through the ups and downs of life. It wasn't my idea. So whose idea was it? Well, if you read the first line of the Torah, what does it say? In the beginning, God created. So hold on a second. Who sounds like the one who wants something out of this? It was his idea. And it, it just makes so much sense. It's so natural, it's so logical. Um, so I really started consuming his content, really, just going through all the videos, seeing him addressing key topics. And this idea of we don't need, but God needs us, um, I think is it's an amazing concept. Definitely needs a lot of elucidation. People, like you said, are quite uncomfortable with this idea of need. What is a need? But I think when you start to view um, Judaism and God in terms of relationship, then I think it transforms everything. I think yeah. naturally people kind of relate to God as he's up there, I'm down here, and I sort of need to do what I'm told, otherwise I'm in trouble. But when you start to see it as actually the infinite, beyond time, beyond space, creator of everything, wants a relationship with you, and he created you, then all of a sudden it's, wow, that, that's amazing. And it also, it makes more sense, um, which is why I think, you know, he's so successful. I think he's recently passed 200,000 subscribers on YouTube, which for a rabbi with a big white beard is amazing. It's incredible. And I think it really speaks to the fact that what he is saying, the reason it appeals so much is because it makes sense. And when you hear things that make sense, you want to hear more. So when I heard this, this idea that we didn't ask for any of this, it can't be that we're the needy ones here that seemed to make sense to me. So I started to watch more of his videos and it really, the way I, I relate to Hashem, I relate to other people, to God is really, you know, I'd say probably primarily influenced by him and his ideas. And I'd really recommend anyone watching this video to check out his videos. He's got so much content, which, you know, really explains what is God. Cause I think people's idea of what Judaism is um, quite understandably is probably influenced by how we see other religions. So for example, for me growing up in a Christian school, I thought Judaism was basically the same thing as Christianity minus, you know, a certain guy. And you relate to God in the way that they relate to God. But actually, you've got to remember that 99.9% .9 of the world aren't Jewish. And so therefore, what the word God means to them and how they understand God isn't necessarily the same as how we do. And we may not know that unless you really look into it, because we're a tiny, tiny minority, as we discussed before. So I really, really encourage everyone to look up Rabbi Manus Friedman, look at his content and start to consider actually... God isn't this infinite bully in the sky telling you do what you do what I say or else, but actually he's a, a loving, 
loving creator who desires deeply within his essence a relationship with you so much to the extent that he created a huge universe and created you which means you can do something to him which is like I said liberating and empowering really because as, as he likes to say more than people want to be loved they want to be needed and once you can recognize that you are needed and what your true purpose is who needs you it can really transform people's lives i think uh, one thing i would just add at this point is that i know that with people are hearing this for the first time they probably have a lot of questions and i've, I've really i've dealt with all kinds of critiques so it's like so i recognize that if we're brushing over certain questions or things don't sound right to you I think it's probably worth us making a full feature video going through all the different matters of this 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 issue in, in depth because I know there's lots of questions that people may have and perhaps it's worth laying out uh, the case in full uh, but Rabbi Freeman does a lot of that stuff anyway himself um, but it's interesting because you know some people will say well no, no no he's not this bully and he does it only out of love but it's not because he needs anything he just has he just you know uh, it's pure altruism where there's nothing for him to gain. It's just for, for, the, sa for the sake of giving. And I say, well, okay then, but then why do I have to go through all these, uh, you know, do all these things, these mitzvah, whatever? And it's, well, oh, because you need to feel like you've earned it. So I need to feel like I've earned it, but what just, will just make me think I've earned it? Why am I going to do all this? Oh, no, because you've got to feel that way and, you've, and God wants you to feel as if uh, you mattered to him. So you're saying, but hold on, at the end of the day, even if he created, let's just accept the premise. He doesn't need anything. He created me uh, out of pure altruism but if if if, if you're telling me that uh, you know he'll be fine without me basically um, and that he's totally whole and complete without me there's nothing for him to gain um, or it doesn't enhance his life in any way how is that a healthy relationship how, how can I even uh, you know and they say oh well it's to make you feel as if you know, they want, they, some, some even might go so far as to say, well, he wants you to feel as if he needs you, but he doesn't really. Well, like, <laughs> either he does or he doesn't. And I know as a, I, I, I prefer to, to accept God and, and, and understand God on his terms and how he has written his Torah and how he wants us to relate to him. So even if you're saying that's not the ultimate truth, this is how he wants me to relate to him. I'm also therefore going to assume this is the ultimate truth as well because this is his his word and so if he wants me to relate to him in a way where I can serve him how, how can I serve him if he doesn't need anything I've never had a good answer for that and also he clearly when you read the Torah he has a full array of emotions is very vulnerable and sensitive to the things we do um, and uh, I think one of the best ways of understanding this whole concept of neediness is that it's not it's not it's not sort of uh, weakness or insecurity in, in, in the sort of the human realm of like, you know, I need to sleep or to eat or those kind of things. The, those, are, those are handicaps, right? This, is, this comes from a, a, a desire. It comes from a, something within him. It's, it's, it's something that in the same way that I have a sense of purpose, a drive, that, that, those things don't diminish me. They, they, they raise me up. It's just, it's my want. And... I think Rabbi Freeman explains it beautifully when he says that it's part of God's perfection that he says, you know, just me is not perfect, just me existing. And in some ways it makes, more, the one, it makes totally intuitive sense that the one thing a perfect being doesn't have is anyone else. And so he can only have a relationship with someone else, a free agent, if the free agent chooses him as well, which leaves him vulnerable. 
So it's all very intuitive and I think it's much more healthy. But do you want to tell us a bit about how seeing God through that lens um, changes the way you practice your Judaism? Sure. Um, I think that's the most important thing because a lot of people, you can look at the mitzvahs, look at the Torah and see a lot, a lot of burdens, a lot of obligations and rules which I need to do, right? That's the kind of thing. I need to pray, I need to keep kosher, I need to keep Shabbat. And it can weigh you down. It's very heavy, all these needs. But when you flip it and it's sort of sudden it's I'm needed, it completely transforms the way you view it. So sometimes the example I use is, let's say I have two people keeping Shabbat, right? And Shabbat's got lots of weird laws. I can't flick on a light switch. I can't tear something. It's all this stuff, which is it's weird, right? I wouldn't have half on it on my own if I was coming up with stuff. So there's this weird thing we do, which is called keeping Shabbat. Now you can have two people who, who are both keeping Shabbat. They both don't turn on the light switch. But the way that they relate to it is different. You can have one person who says, there's this thing called Shabbat and I need to keep it. God's told me I need to keep Shabbat. So I need to keep Shabbat because if I don't keep Shabbat, well, then I'm in trouble. I'm going to go and be punished and I'm not going to get rewarded. So I have to do it. I'd rather not, but I have to. And so, it's not a very enjoyable way to live your life. And it's also not the way we're meant to live our life. The Torah tells us we should have a relationship with Hashem Basimcha with joy. So it doesn't really make sense that we should relate to it that way. And and the and Pirkei says, don't serve your master like you would for the sake of getting reward. Exactly, exactly. So let's say we've got this person keeping Shabbat over here. And so the next to him is another person keeping Shabbat. This person keeping Shabbat sees it another way, which is the way we've just been discussing. Hashem needs me, which is... This whole idea of Shabbat, I didn't come up with it. This idea of not turning on a light switch wasn't my idea. It's his idea. And and we learn the Jewish sources say that he keeps the Torah himself. So he keeps Shabbat. So then how do I see it? I see that God, Hashem, keeps Shabbat. And he says, can you keep Shabbat with me? I've got one day a week where you're not creating, you're not working. Let's just be together. And I know it's weird and there's things which don't really make sense. Why can't you just turn on a light switch? I don't really get it. But can you do that for me? And when you see it in terms of that, you see it's a relationship. It's a beautiful thing. And especially with those, those kind of mitzvahs, which don't really make sense, right? There's certain mitzvahs, do not murder, do not steal. I understand that. I'd do it myself, you know, even if I wasn't commanded, probably. There's other stuff such as Shabbat, keeping kosher, putting on to fill in, where it's like, what's going on there? I don't, like, I don't understand that. I wouldn't have come up with it. So sometimes when you view it as a relationship, it can really transform how you relate to those mitzvahs. Yeah. If you think of it, so if you think of it in terms of relationship, let's say you do something for your for your wife, which you understand you do anyway, right? Which is the equivalent of those mitzvahs which we get. So let's say your wife says, come and watch this movie. And you actually quite like the movie. You probably would have watched it yourself, even if she hadn't asked you. It's great. And it's a relationship and you're, and you're doing it. But it's kind of one level of relationship. Now, let's say your wife asks you to do something which doesn't make any sense to you. She says, just before she goes to bed, please, can you run to the news agent? Because I need to read this particular newspaper just before I go to bed. And you're like, what? I don't understand. doesn't make sense to me. I definitely wouldn't do it on my own anyway. But she's asked you to do it. And you do it for her. And no other reason, because just because you love her, not because of your own intellect. When you do that, it actually is, in some ways, a greater expression of your love and a deeper level of relationship. So when you start to look at Judaism through that lens, and you can see that actually everything's a relationship and even those things which don't really make sense to me or even a greater expression of that relationship then it actually brings so much more joy to everything you do so you can have two people who maybe on the outside they look the same they do the same stuff but when you can relate to your judaism in such a way 
that you see it as a beautiful relationship, it can really transform the joy with which we live our lives. Right. And, 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 you know, all of us, we all have our weird quirks and in any re human relationship, you know, you just learn to accept and embrace and uh, cater to whoever your, you know, spouse, partner, friends, parents, cater to their weird quirks just because that's, that's who they are. And um, there's no greater um, reason for wanting to, you know, cater to that particular need or quirk they have, then that's what they want or that's what they need. Um, and without, you know, without a reason, it's just, that's what they need. And so like, you know, sometimes if I have people, you know, inquiring about, oh, it seems like, what on earth is this thing you're doing? Like shaking these leaves together or like putting on to feel like, seems a bit weird. I'm like, yeah, my God's weird. Like, <laughs> but it's, that, that's, that's relationship. That's a relationship. Um, so, and I, and I think it's really, it's, it's really special. Um, so yeah, no, I totally, I totally uh, relate to that. And I'm glad that you came to this theological uh, perspective much earlier than I did. Uh, so well done for that. Um, so lastly, just, I mean, what, what are your, um, tell us where you're at in life at the moment, what your ambitions are for the future. You don't have to have everything figured out yet, but just if you have any particular things you have in mind for the future. Sure. So the exciting news is I'm, I'm going to start going to Yeshiva uh, next year, um, which I'm very excited about. Um, it's one of those things that like Yeshiva where I didn't know what yeshiva was until very recently. So the way I'd perhaps describe it to some people is it's a, a kind of like a university, but for spirituality, for Judaism, for learning about character development. Um, and so it's a place which I never considered before, never even heard of before. Um, but the more I sort of go along this journey, the more I realise that actually being in an environment of growth or development, where you can really sort of be an incubator to learn more about yourself, um, and learn more about your Judaism is actually it's an incredible opportunity. Um, so I'm going to be heading over to Israel next year, please God, um, and really trying to sort of reach the next stage, I suppose, in the journey of, of learning and trying to refine myself and my relationship with Hashem. So that's the exciting news coming up. Um, and then I guess we'll go from there. I think it's important to remember that Judaism is not a religion which um, advises skepticism or sort of abandoning the material physical world, but rather being a part of it and elevating it. So I also want to make sure that I can do my best in that as well, but um, we'll see what the future holds. <laughs> it's fantastic, honestly. I, I'm, I honestly commend you massively um, because you're, you know, unfortunately not everyone out there is a, you know, a conscious, active truth, truth seeker. And none of this, these conclusions that you've had were sort of uh, laid out to you on a plate. Um, you're a thinking guy that's trying, that's searching and, and coming uh, towards um, answers through your own um, intuition. Um, and so I just want to commend you massively. I thought it'd also just be um, uh, an idea just for me to share with you just a few reflections that I've, I've had as someone that sounds like I've, I'm a little bit, a few years on, on the similar journey to what you've had, just a few reflections that I have looking back on the last you know, a few years of, of, of this Jewish journey. Um, just perhaps a few words of advice that I'd that, that I'd, that I'd say. Very um, much value, thank you. Well, what, what I'd say is number one is, and, and I'm sure, I, I've, I'm, I've no doubt that you probably already embody a lot of these principles, but just to share them anyway, the first one would be not to reject your past. Um, you know, God gives you the family, the background and the situation that 
that he put you in. He, he, he needed you to be there. He needs you to be there. He doesn't want you to. We don't believe in this whole born again thing. You know, how you were raised, the situation you find yourself in, we're not meant to reject to. We're meant to elevate every, everything around us. Um, number two, balance is a Jewish principle. You know, the Rambam talks about this. He says, except for anger, um, it's, it's, it's important. You know, that's the way the world, sorry, that's the way that God made the world. You know, if you cook something on a stove for not long enough, it's raw for too much, then it's burned. Everything has to be in, in balance um, for it to be for it to be right. I don't believe that we should, you know, do things in extremes. Balance is something that's holy. Um, and, um, you know, it's, I always said, for example, with like keeping kosher, with, uh, let's say, friends or family that aren't as much, like, let's say they have a house that might not be able, it might be problematic or going out. I always said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how. We'll find a way to make it work so that we can share um, joyous occasions together, socialize together. There's always ways to make it work. Um, and so too with the matter of balance, um, I think growth should always be slow and paced out because that is sustainable. You know, it took us, we're in the Omo right now, it took us 49 days to get to Mount Sinai. Uh, you know, we didn't just, didn't just rush there. And even then we crashed immediately afterwards. Um, so growth, sustainable growth, like a relationship, you have to take your time to build. Um, and so people that just rush into things and big changes, like anything in life, dieting, whatever it is, that, that, that's, not, that's not the way, and I don't think it's the Jewish way. And we're not about all or nothing. We're about where are you at right now in your life and how can you just do that little bit more? I think that's, that's all God really, really asks of us and expects of us. Um, you've already touched on this, but the importance of embracing the world. I think especially now, now that the world is no longer as hostile to Jews as they were in the past, we have a chance not just to be more out there and engage in the world, but the world is yearning for moral a moral voice for clarity and and we can now be that and so and i think if you read the torah with a objective eye the the, the torah the, the 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 kind of judaism that the torah aspires to um for us to keep is one that is engaged with the world sometimes circumstances of our national um you know situations meant that we can't but um but i think we're not we're not encouraged to hide from the world we're meant to try and go out there and change it. I think about the greatest individual narrative we have in the Torah is the story of Joseph, who goes out into the world. You know, the brothers say, let's, let's see, if you think you can go out into the world and elevate it and change it, let's send you down to Egypt, see how you handle that. And look what he does. He's totally vindicated um, and maintains his, um, his, his convictions. Um, another thing I'd say is the importance of questioning everything with boldness, um, because the truth has no agenda we should not be intimidated by questions. Isn't that the whole, the first Jewish festival of the year, Pesach? We're encouraged to ask questions. Um, that's the, you know, the kids, that's the one, the, one of the main points of the Seder meal, get the kids to ask, because we're, we're truth seekers, our ancestors were truth seekers. We challenge God and we ask them questions. And so challenge everything, um, because we shouldn't be afraid um, of, of that. Um, another thing I'd say is don't expect perfection in, in the religious world. Um, you know, in the same way that, and this is one thing I wish would have been told to me before, you know, we're all human beings. Uh, you know, the Torah is full of, you know, of our great leaders and, and, and ancestors making mistakes. Um, and so we shouldn't necessarily just expect because someone is of a certain denomination or whatever it is, part of a certain world, that means um, they're, per they're perfect. We're all human beings. And all the more so, we should always look to see ways in which things can be improved on and, and innovated. And, and the fact that you are in some ways 
have come to some of these conclusions and associations with your Jewish heritage and the observant Jewish world later in life, that in some ways gives you a strength and an upper hand because it means you can look at things from an outside eye with objectivity and see, you know, what you're, what's, what you're needed for, um, to coin a phrase. Um, so those, that's just my sort of uh, uh, two cents, as they say, from, uh, you know, being on a similar journey to you. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to, to add on that front from your experience to, to date, but that's... You know, that's I'd just uh, like to say thank you so much. That's incredibly invaluable wisdom, and I very much appreciate you giving it to me. I'm going to make sure I try and remember all of those and to write it down. Um, but thank you so much. And also, you're very kind and complimenting me earlier, so I'll return the favour and say um, a massive, just um, amazing thank you. And you're, um, really you are so incredibly inspiring with what you're doing to really trying to provide the content to, to help people learn more about what it means to be a Jew. Um, it really is um, incredibly admirable and hopefully I can emulate just a slight bit of what you're doing and try and help other people, you know, realize what, what we've all come to realize as well. So on that note, I just encourage anyone who's watching this video who maybe, you know, has some questions is on, on the journey themselves, just to keep on asking, keep on asking the question, seeking the truth, as you said, and just really see where the journey goes. Just make sure you keep the ball rolling, seek out things. There's so many sources out there. Um, and yeah, I wish everyone all the best. Joel, you seem fantastic and I look forward to continuing to grow and foster our relationship. So thanks so much again for coming on. Thank you. Yeah.